everybody, and welcome to the Level 30 Games Podcast. This is episode 14 or 15. We've lost track. My name is Tom, and I'm here today with uh, Joe and Kevin, a smaller crew than what we had last time, but, um, you know, this is these are, these are the original Level 30 podcasters, so we're here to bring you some fun stuff okay. today. Uh, Joe, how are we doing so far today? I'm doing, you know, good. Okay. It's a little late and it's rainy, but it's a it's a it's a nice day. It's it's a soggy one nice. out there. Yeah. yeah. Kevin, how are you? I'm getting kind of tired. Like Joe, it's it's rainy, you know. I'm doing okay, hanging in. All right. I will do my best to compensate. Games. I will compensate for the loss of energy here, I hope. Um <laughs> So we got some fun stuff on our docket today. Just a few uh, shameless plugs. Um, we want to welcome back our, our Level 30 um, News Minute, which is doing episodes every other Friday. So we had one last week. We will not have one tomorrow. Um, and we will have one next week as well. So hopefully you continue to check that out. It is quick, short burst videos of just some recent game topics um, hosted by Ada. And so we're happy to have that back in our rotation. Check it out every other Friday of the week. Um, and Joe and I are chipping away at some behind the scenes stuff for a uh, Discord community, um, which will give you not some inside access per se, but um, you know, open you up to some conversations, some gaming things, and of course, uh, quick access to our videos. So we're still working out how we're gonna integrate that, but um, needless to say, that's coming. So if anyone out there is interested, in a uh, joining that a little early is kind of like an i don't know a beta so to speak um reach out tom at level30games.com send me an email let me know we'll hook you up with a access code and then we'll you know, we'll see what happens um so that's kind of stuff is on the horizon for us uh as well as a few other things in the pipeline although i gotta say gents it's been it's been relatively slow news wise across the board for well, really, all our our major video game outlets and and uh, makers and creators, there hasn't been a whole lot out there. And there's been little things like here and there. I was actually looking back through our last episode, and uh, that was like right before the Nintendo Direct that came out like a few days later, and that Direct ended up not being super interesting. Um, so I don't even want to harp on it, but it was one of those things like, oh, we'll get this in the next episode, and there really hasn't been a whole heck of a lot uh going on there so start with a little news some bigger things i guess so to speak um first one is more of a public service announcement um mm -hmm. march 31st uh is the redaction of super mario 3d collection from the nintendo switch eShop. it will be gone after that and they are no longer putting physical copies on shelves i'm sure stores will have them but once they're gone they're gone um so make sure if you're interested in that before the end of the month, digitally, you definitely pick that up and then just don't sit too long on physical copies because I'm sure they'll get snagged. Actually, people like people like Kevin might buy four thing. copies because he wants to hoard them and collect them. Um, sorry, Kevin, if I called you out there. Uh, yeah. Is this, have you guys been, I know Joe, you've been enjoying Sunshine and stuff. Do you think this is a worthwhile collection real quick, your your quick pitch review? If, yeah, absolutely. If, if you liked the games originally and you want to revisit them, then for sure, this is a great way to put them on your modern console so you don't have to break out your older consoles to play them. Um, I played through Galaxy as well, and it, it it still holds up. It's still fun. I still think the camera and the controls together can be uh, like a violation of the Geneva Conventions. But other than that, uh, it's it's still a fun game, and, and they look really nice. I think it's worth the money for anybody 
who originally enjoyed these games in the first place, or maybe enjoyed one or two of them and is pretty sure they'll enjoy whatever the third one is. That's good. Kevin, you're on board for this, right? Yeah, and I, I don't know if stores are going to be told to pull the product after March 31st. I I have a feeling Nintendo may say like you gotta pull everything. And I don't know. I'm very curious to see what happens. I you know, what are they gonna do? What are they gonna I, do? I, what are they gonna send Nintendo them back to Nintendo? <laughs> they might, and then Nintendo could sell it on their online shop. I don't know. I'm curious to see what happens. I don't Put like nonsense, but it's it's what they did. So all right. Well, needless to say, there's a little bit of time left, the end of March. If you're listening to this in April and you didn't nab it virtually, I'm I'm sorry. Um, at least it's legally gone forever, but Mm. there are ways um all right but that's yeah that's the scary thing is how much are they going to fetch on ebay um extra (laughs) that's why kevin will buy extra all right so there's uh another thing on our our list here of things to hit that i was so reluctant to put on here because i feel like we've talked about it like ad nauseum to the point where it's just disgusting but um (laughs) i (laughs) i i don't I don't like the idea of talking about this again, but it just seems like the longer we wait, the more legitimate this ends up becoming. And of course, uh, we're referencing the, well, still in quotes, but rumors for the next iteration of the Switch. There's no official title for it. It was lingering the Switch Pro. Um, some folks are favoring the Super Nintendo Switch, not me personally. I I, I think it's, I don't know what the heck they're going to call it. They're not going to call it that. They're not going to call it that. Well, if they call it new Nintendo Switch, though, I'm not buying it. Yes, you will. You will. I will. I will. I will. I'm full. full you will reluctantly. And so, so here's here's what we got so far. I know we talked about this. I guess last episode, there's been some slight developments. Um, you know, we mentioned the OLED screen. Uh, we mentioned that there was going to be 4K uh, capabilities via extra power in that dock. Um, what we've gotten recently is that that uh, it's going to be using a new NVIDIA chipset. Um, so I don't know if this is a modified Tegra processor or it's like the next one up. It was already relatively old when the switch had come out, but it's a custom processor. So who knows what they got up their sleeve and I'm sure they're working with Nintendo on that. Um, but that 4k, it gets a little tech heavy and I don't want to dive too much into what can be either confusing or uninteresting, but, um, Joe, they had referenced some, uh, technical specifications here that it was 4K via uh, DLSS, and I already forget what that stands for. Um, so I was hoping, as our go-to like behind-the-scenes tech kind of dude, like who's in, like, what does that mean, and what does that mean for how this is processing that 4K resolution? Uh, so so DLSS stands for uh, Deep Learning Super Sampling, uh, and what it is is essentially cheating. Um, what so what they do is they will render the game in a lower resolution. I don't know what that resolution is going to be. I don't think there's a standard for what resolution equals another. I think it's just uh, just a you know performance ratio kind of thing. Um, but they will initially re- uh, render it at a lower resolution and then use AI to upscale it because the processor impact for using AI to upscale is a lot less than actually running it at that resolution natively. You know, like we're, you're never going to run that game at 4K, but because what's happening is um, in 4K, when you, when you have to render the game, you're actually rendering the entire scene at that resolution. Uh, if you upscale, you're not re-rendering at the higher resolution. You're only upscaling that frame, that image. 
So mm -hmm. it's a lot less to upscale as an image rather than an entire uh, like 3D area. Um, so I personally don't think, and this is just me, I don't think that um, you can advertise it as a 4K system if it's running at 4K via DLSS. It looks really good. Pull up some videos on YouTube, do yourself a favor, um, you know, look at NVIDIA's version of it. Um, I forget what AMD's version of it is gonna be called. It, it's very, very new, um, but look it up on YouTube and look at comparisons. It usually does a good job, um, but there's some obvious moments where you can see it where when like a frame changes uh, or like a scene changes greatly, it takes a second and it's a small, you know, it's a small, um, section of time, but it will take a second for the processor to say, okay, here's what I have on my screen. Now I need to upscale this to the newer resolution. Um, it never looks as good as the native resolution. It really doesn't. You lose right. a lot of stuff when you go to a lower resolution. Um, it's, you know, you'll lose things like field of view. So you're rendering, you know, you're getting that higher resolution out of it, but since it's still rendered in the, in the lower resolution, it's being, these things are just being made up. It's the equivalent of, uh, in like um, crime shows, like enhance, you know, like when they my say, favorite, oh, yes, my favorite feature, <laughs> enhance yes. that image. Enhance, and that's, but that's what they're doing. They're just making things up. I mean, they're using a GPU, which is very good at doing this and has a ton of processing power and some great algorithms that can really figure it out. But they really are just assuming what's, what the image is supposed to look like and scaling that to 4K and making it up. Well, that actually blows my mind that there's artificial intelligence with the capabilities to do that. So is this like, is this on the box? It's, it's displays in 4k versus actually runs in 4k. Would that be the terminology that would kind of like absolve them of, well, this game's not in 4k, Well, we didn't say that it's, it's just displaying in 4k. Uh, I mean, it, it's technically, it is displaying in 4k and that's all people are looking for. Nobody, uh, I don't want to say nobody. Um, typical consumers are not going to care about the difference between, uh, at least on paper, just looking at it, they're not going to care about the difference between rendered in 4K and actually seeing it in 4K. So if you if you say, oh, well, it's rendered in 1080p, but played in 4K, people are going to see the lower resolution and they're not going to, they're not going to be okay with that. But if you just say, oh, it's in 4K, well, you could argue that it is, so it's not like false advertising or anything. It really is being shown in 4K. They're just cheating a little bit to get there. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. And, I, you know, as someone who has recently adopted uh, 4K television, but also was uh, concerned about, you know, watching things, like I also went out and bought an independent 4K Blu-ray player, um, you know, to make sure that those movies are coming over natively. And there's a huge difference between streaming 4K and, and reading 4K directly from a disc. Um, like that, I would say, worth it every step of the way. I usually, in some of these games, there's so much stuff going on, um, you know, and as someone who now is the PlayStation 5, toggling between 4K at 30 frames and 1080 at 60, um, so that, that performance mode has really kind of won me over. I, as a filmmaker, 60 frames a second, I, I do not like, because it's unnatural to the eye, but in playing video games, it's really hard for me now to kind of go back um, even though it looks a lot prettier, but, um, yeah, so I, I think that's, that's an interesting point of contention there that it's worth, uh, differentiating what that 4k really is versus what the perception is. Um, so interesting. We'll see. And I did read, I don't know, again, speculation as well, that, um, 
that 4K and upgrades that this system is going to provide do not work retroactively. Supposedly that DSLL or DLSS, I can't even say it right. DLSS is, DSLL I guess- DLSS is their next handheld. <laughs> sorry, DLSS needs to be uh, written as part of the original game code. And it's not like they could just toggle a switch to say, okay, every game you own so far is now gonna see improved fidelity output. Mm -hmm. um, it, it can't happen unless they go back. I, I don't even know if they can, if they can go back and patch something in, but I would guess probably not because it has, it's probably like so baked into the development of that game that you probably couldn't go back and re-add that. So it would just be for upcoming titles. Now, that being said, we also got a very loose uh, construct of time. All right, time frame. They're saying a potential holiday release of 21, uh, 2021 um, with a retail price of $399. Again, all rumors and hearsay, um, but now we're talking $400 later this year. Upgrades and improvements outside of the, the you know, whatever sort of hardware revision they tend to do, right? And I can't fathom... Um, and Kevin, as a collector, maybe you can speak to this. I don't know if you collect any of the Joy-Con variations and stuff, but um, I can't fathom they're going to abandon, you know, at least the form factor. It may look a little bit different, but I, I don't think they're going to completely redesign or overhaul the actual hardware too drastically. I mean, we're talking, you know, it's. I, th I think we're we're. It's not a DS fat to a DS light. This is more of like a DS light to a DSi where few tweaks here and there but generally speaking it's not going to look much different um i think the form factor will stay the same now would you tolerate like a larger screen like system device even if the joy cons ended up being the same size i'm wondering because i was well, looking I the, the, the info going around is that the bezel is going to be smaller so the bezel is that 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 box around the current screen. Right, right, right. No, so like that, I have a feeling they they're probably gonna have the system be if this revision exists, which all science are pointing to. Yes, it's coming because the same stuff happened. The same scenario happened with the light. Um, the, I have a feeling like the dimensions are gonna be very similar to the current base model switch, but like the screen size will be a little bigger. Joy-Con size will probably be the same. Um, I mean, I do hope they make like pro Joy-Cons where they fix the stick issue. They don't drift. Um, I've never had that issue. I don't use my Joy-Cons. I use a pro controller. I don't have drift issues with that. I know some people say they do, but I've never personally experienced this. Um, but those Joy-Con sticks are just weird. Like I wish somehow they made the Joy-Cons like a little deeper to where they could have that real analog stick in there. Like the one that's on the pro controller. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, like, I, I, yeah. But, but I, I like, you know, I'm very curious to see if they um, make new Joy-Cons for this different model. If, I, I don't know. I have a feeling they're going to just keep it the same, same form factor. Screen will be a little bigger. Um, hopefully the vent ports are the same as the light. Those vent ports are better than the base switch model. Some people report that they crack and stuff or warp. You know what I'm talking about? The vents on the top. No, I do, and I I don't have an issue because I, I you know I baby my stuff, but Me too. Um, I know some yeah, people I, say crack. I've seen student switches where I mean I look at them and go I don't know how that like that would drive me nuts, but yeah they're cracked. Yeah. Those are the first things to go. That the is light like that that vent setup is better than the base model switch. Like it's, it's more it's more durable, I guess. I don't know. Um, but in general, I think it's the form factor is going to stay the same. I hope they improve the damn kickstand though. 
The kickstand's eh, hard. Maybe. So the question then becomes, if this is an incremental step, if the price is $4.99, if we're looking at, okay, hey, you're going you from- $3.99, not $4.99. Sorry, it's $3.99. If, if this is the equivalent of going from a PlayStation 4 to a PlayStation 4 Pro, kind of that half step before the full-on you know, sequel, so to speak, is that enough for you to say I'm, I'm interested or are you just like, I'm just going to wait for the legit successor down the line? What if there is no legit successor? What if they do an Apple and just make keep making iterative enhancements? It works for phones. Yeah. And I, to that argument, I know there were people that were like, oh, okay, you're getting the um, S. Remember, they had that S variant as kind of their half step. So you'd get the four and then next year it'd be the four S and then the one after that would be the five. And you'd have people that be like, I'm just going to wait for the next full fledged numerical upgrade because yeah. I guess somehow in that mind, their mind, it was better. But, you know, $400 isn't really chump change. It's not going to work retroactively, which means some of the, you know, it's only going to be every game you get from that point out. Is, is that enticing, though? Like, is that... Are you a little bit more reluctant or no? I'm curious. But I, I like you guys know, we've talked about this a couple times. I'm pretty much, if there isn't a slightly better model, I'm getting it. Um, I'm very curious to see if it, if it improves like games like Hyrule Warriors. Um, the frame rate dips a lot in certain spots. Um, Breath of the Wild, Korok Forest, the frame rate drops. Like, I, oh, I'm yeah, trying, I'm sure like, from a process model, if a new model has power that resolves that issue, like that's enough for me. Um, and then uh, all the other stuff is like bonus to me. Um, I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty much on board though. At this point, I just want to see it and know what's going on with it. And just, but we're, we talked about it. We're probably going to hear about it in the summer if it's legit, which I, I think it is. I'm sure. And now, and Joe, what about you? And the reason I, I kind of want to ask ever, because we're all in different planes here as far as like how we consume our video game stuff like i know joe you'll skew towards you know uh pc and xbox kevin as far as i know you've only got a switch in your house and i've got yeah. all of it so like i like we hit kind of every piece of the spectrum there as folks that all have a switch but have varying degrees of other means to play video games so joe kind of in your world is this something that has value to you that you would be interested in as kind of a half step not a switch two but switch 1.5 if we're going for like a, a, a half one, then I, I don't see the point to it. Um, I mean, like just like they did with the uh, the Xbox, and like they did with the PS4 Pro, um, them just like, oh, well, this is uh, more powerful. You'll get 4K or whatever out of some of your games and you can get VR. You know, that, that, to me personally, I'm not playing a lot of those games. I don't need the fidelity increase on games that I can already play. So mm. I don't see a point to it. I do wonder, though, and this could potentially sway me one way or the other, um, I do wonder if they will end up doing something like they did with the uh, the new 3DS, where I wasn't a fan of the way they handled this, but I didn't have a 3DS at that point, um, where it had it was like, this is just the new 3DS, it's got some extra features, it plays all of your old games, and your old one will play all of the new games, don't worry about it. And then a couple months go by, and there's a couple games that only work on the new 3DS because mm -hmm. they those extra buttons and the extra uh, joystick on it. So I wonder if they'll end up throwing in, you know, like a little extra button um, on, on the new one that certain games will require. And then eventually, well, this is your new console and you need this one to play the games, even though, even though it wasn't made to uh, replace the old one, it ends up kind of doing that anyway. Right. And that's, that's, that's a possibility as well. Um, 
you know, nothing's out of the question here. I, that, that's that's more or less the Apple line or uh, model of thinking for some of their. Um, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. There's so the current NVIDIA chip used on the switches, they're not making them anymore after a certain point. So that, well, that, that's what I was saying is that the the process of saying, OK, here is your standard version. Here's your pro version. We're going to slowly phase out the standard version. The pro version becomes the new standard version, mm -hmm. and then we release another pro version. And so that's how I know, um, you know, Apple manages their iPads. Um, so you have your iPad Pro and then your standard iPad. When they get to the end of that life cycle, the pro becomes the new normal, and then they, they have a new pro version, which makes sense from a manufacturing standpoint and from a you know business standpoint. You're buying the same stuff; it's probably cheaper at that point. So really, like this could end up being like, oh, early adopters will get what could eventually be the standard version of the Switch before they announce something else. So it's all, you know, it all remains to be seen. But uh, needless to say, I think across the board, we're Kevin, I know you're all in. Joe and I may be a little bit more iffy. Joe, definitely more iffy than I am. So we'll see if there's a big game at release that really showcases what that extra horsepower can do. Like if they say, here's the Switch Pro, and here's Breath of the Wild 2 running on this thing, and it just looks like drool-worthy. Uh, yeah, I, I could be convinced to shell out four hundred dollars for Zelda. I did it for, well, I did it for the Switch, and I did it for the Wii. Yeah. <laughs> so we can do that. All right, let's let's move on from the Switch Pro. I'm sure we'll have more information a month out. Hey, and you know what? Look, let's let's give ourselves another shameless plug. We don't have a weekly show. We don't need to drag stuff out. So we can we can take all this these rumors and uh, build them up for the next episode and have a little bit more uh, of a solid ground there. Um, Nintendo quietly announced, or maybe it was Niantic, if you're not familiar with Niantic. Niantic is the uh, company behind Pokemon Go. They're the developers there. Um, they announced that they're doing a uh, Pikmin game as an aug augmented reality game for mobile devices. Um, not a lot of details on that. I think it's a perfect fit, which just led me to question, you know, are there any games out there in well, any franchise, really? But if you want to stick to Nintendo, like, what, what do you think... Uh, would be like a good adaptation for augmented reality. I think there's some cool choices, and I think the styling and art direction of a lot of Nintendo games will fit the bill really well. So I don't know if anybody has any thoughts on that. Um, I'm sure Kevin doesn't. I no, I actually do. I oh, just, are you going to steal mine? Don't steal mine. Wait, no, that's not yours, and I don't like yours actually. Um, <laughs> after I stand on that game, you're going to say I don't like yours. Um, Animal Crossing would be a cool augmented reality thing because think of the whole concept of Animal Crossing. You got you're on your like the newest one, your island. I just started playing Animal Crossing two days ago, um, and it's really fun. I never realized how fun the game is. Um, but like that would be a cool AR thing, and you could like take pictures with your villagers and like send it to people. I, I could see them doing something with Animal Crossing. That'd be pretty cool. So the ones that of mine that Kevin didn't like to stall for Joe, if he's still mm -hmm. thinking there. Um, so I thought, I thought um, my first thought was Fire Emblem. I thought could be really cool augmented reality because seeing some of those battles between characters in a turn-based way, where you know the interaction might not need to be that intense. Like I think it would fit the uh, like the phone model um, and like one of the factors in fire emblem for those that have played the game is that you get like perks and upgrades or um i guess basically like kind of buffs and stuff based on the terrain that you're on so i thought it could be really cool depending on where you are in real life that you might actually have like a varying degree of buffs for your characters if you're playing like 
on your dining room table versus like out on the patio or something, you know, like where those characters can stand and it would be able to see, you know, what kind of ground you're on. I thought that could be kind of cool. My other one was Splatoon. Um, I don't know how you would go about it other I than say, making I, it, do that. I think that would be really cool. I don't know if it'd be like a competitive thing, but like if it was me versus Kevin and we had our, our phones out and we're like, I don't know, attacking one another, but putting paint in like our environment uh, in real it's life it's like that, that would be really cool i'm sure that's I, I you know so i'm not a developer that might be impossible i'm not sure but i think that would be a really cool use of that ip just for a for an ar game uh joe any thoughts uh i don't know i mean a, a lot of ar games end up being um very uh casual in nature i guess there's not a lot of like uh, core games that are AR, and I don't think that's really a problem. I, I just think that's where it ends up. Um, I, I can't think offhand of any uh, any games that are like real serious franchises that I'd want to play in AR that wouldn't like seriously change what the game is about. Um, you know, like, like it would be hard to take that and adjust it because what happens is these games are built in a specific way around a skill level and building up your skill level um mm -hmm. you take that and make it an ar game and you can you can change that skill level for yourself um which is cool I, you know i don't think it's a bad idea i just feel like it's not built for core audiences at that point anymore um that said i've seen a lot of like really cool casual games where you just like you uh, you put down like a little piece of paper with a code on it. You look through it at your phone, and now it's a giant building, and there's like zombies in it or something. You have to like circle around the building and tap the zombies and stuff like that. Right. right. Um, but it it depends. Uh, I think there's going to be a big change with um, like AR headsets, and we're probably going to get a lot of cool things, um, a lot of like neat adventure games, and a lot of cool like shooters that you can get when you're playing AR. Because now, now all of my friends, like we're all out in the open. Almost think of it like a like a paintball um, place. You can go there, and now everybody's got a specific kind of armor on them. Nobody's actually self shooting, but you know where you are because you can see everything. But you can really build yourself it's like the next level of LARPing or something. See, <laughs> and that falls. That's right in my Splatoon example. So we'll see what comes. I mean, more info to come, I'm sure, on that. But I'll, it's definitely one of those things that. I'll check out, of course, and then see how long it sticks with. I mean, Pokemon Go exploded in a like global way. So will Pikmin? Yeah, probably not, but um, we'll see how big it gets. We'll see what they have to offer. That could be kind of cool. All right, Did last little bit of news. Sign up for that? No, I didn't sign up for anything. I'm just going to wait for it to be out and see if yeah. it's worth my time. That's I mean, I was like, yeah. what's this? well, Kevin, you'll have to let us know if they they throw something out and you get early access. Give us yeah. the scoop um last bit of news here before we get into uh, uh headliner question discussion for today um sony has announced that their ps3 vita and psp stores are closing this july permanently um which means any games that you haven't downloaded yet will uh again some of this stuff is still in development there's some unconfirmed things right now um we're hearing that there are no re-downloads so anything that you have purchased off the shop but it's not currently on your system you won't have access to retrieve after uh, after they shut those stores down. Um, and now maybe, again, I'm gonna turn to to Joe, our tech guy here. I, I was hearing some things uh, through the pipeline on Twitter. There are some video game archivalists and preservationists and historians that are concerned with this move. Um, because from what I'm hearing, the way that the infrastructure is on these systems uh, is that they need to ping those servers to make sure that you actually own those games or that they're tethered to your account. And that if these servers shut down, there's no way for your hardware to do that. Conversely, 
um, when the internal battery in your system dies, and for those aren't that are unfamiliar with, uh, you know, computer configurations, your uh, motherboard, which is kind of like your Correct me if I'm wrong, Joe. That's that, that's that's like your brain. They it basically kind of mod like moder moderates all the other activity going on in the computer. Correct? I'm not speaking uh, out of turn here. Not so much that it moderates; it connects everything. Okay. Uh, all right. There you go. It connects. It's the web. Um, yeah. But that has a internal battery. It's a CMOS battery. It's similar to like what you would find in a watch. Um, and that battery, you know, of course, is designed to last several years, but will eventually give out. So those that are playing with these devices. When those batteries die and you replace them, your your system needs to check again with Sony servers to make sure that that system is up to date firmware wise and all this other stuff. And if it can't do that, uh, they're saying even right as of right now, even games that you own physically, um, it won't be able to check that your system's up to date and you can't log in and that those games are rendered useless. Wow. And so as someone who has a very extensive physical collection, um, you know, Joe. I know you've been more involved on the on the PC Steam side kind of thing, doing digital games. Are, is any of that ever been a concern for you? And what kind of uh, position does that put a consumer in? You know, when it comes to how these games work once we bought them, and I'll put "bought" in quotes. Um, you know, what what are what are your feelings being on on skewing more digital purchase wise? I'm curious how you feel about this. Uh, so. I mean, with Steam, there's always the concern that like you're not going to have access to all your games in the future. Uh, Steam has always come out and said like, oh, if we know that we're going under, but we're not going to be around anymore, we're going to release the DRM on all of our games, and you guys will be able to play everything uh, without having to connect to Steam servers. Whether do that... they have the ability to do that? Like, is that something legally they can do, or does this does it go, trace back to the publisher of those games and say, well, hold on, wait a minute, we we didn't sign up for that, or is that part of their terms and agreements when they put stuff there? Like there's I, a lot of legal ease to it, I guess. I mean, I can't say for sure if it's in Steam's uh, terms of agreement with the actual like publishers and developers. I don't know if that's there. I'm assuming that it is. Uh, but if it's Steam's DRM, they can probably do whatever they want with it. It's their DRM. And if they're going under, who's going to do anything about it anyway? You know, like the company's yeah, yeah. not around for them, for somebody to go after them. Uh, the other problem comes in when other companies, uh, when, when the publishers put in their own DRM. If they mm. put in their own, Steam can't do anything about it. They have no, not even no right, they have no ability to remove that. So if they, if uh, publishers see that coming, they might start pushing updates to the games that add DRM. Uh, but realistically, DRM gets cracked on every single game anyway. It's only a matter of time. It just increases piracy. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't decrease it. And realistically, a lot of the times they end up removing it after like six months to a year because... It, there's always every game there's always backlash because the drm takes so much processing power to decrypt mm -hmm. the game running that you get worse speeds once it's put in there so oftentimes what they do and you'll find this a lot with like the nouveau they will put it in the game for the first like i said six months or so just to get through the initial sales push and then once the people who were already going to spend sixty dollars on that game have bought it and they know that the majority of people who want to buy the game have it they'll take it off they'll get that good, uh, you know, they'll get that that good looks from people, and they'll say, "Oh, look, we took the DRM off. Look at what we're doing for you." And people <laughs> have already bought the game as it is, so they don't lose so much from that, and it looks better on them. Um, the so as far as like things like the CMOS battery goes, I don't think the Switch has a CMOS battery, and I don't really see a point for it because as long as your battery doesn't die 
100%, your time is kept. And as long as your switch connects back to the network, like to the internet, it will automatically sync the time anyway. Um, but what will happen is if your time on your device, and this is for any computer, if the time is off by too much on the, the computer, it thinks that you know it, it can't match up with the time on the server. And then you won't be able to play your games because they're going to say that they can't talk to each other. You know, your, your device and the server can't talk to each other at all. So they can't prove that you own the game. Um, and this right. is security restriction, you know? No, absolutely. And I, it wasn't so much that the CMOS battery dies. It's that if that server goes down, it's got nowhere to check. That conversation becomes a one-way street. So there's no return on that initial, hey, like, are we good here? And the servers are gone. So they, I, I, would re I was reading somewhere that the CMOS battery, when you have to replace that in your PS3, I think they were talking about specifically, even PS4 to an extent, um, it does need to check and make sure that, yeah, that handshake needs to happen and you're good to go. But if it can't do that because that server is no longer there, then that's where you got screwed out of being able to sign in to stuff or use your physical games. Now, again, that's unconfirmed. So I didn't mean to cut you off. I just I, I was more or less wanted to clarify. I wasn't harping on the fact that if the battery dies. It's an issue. It's that if the battery dies and you, you replace it, it can't communicate with the server any longer. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's a matter of just, you know, like you said, like the, the time being off on the device, they can't talk anymore, they can't verify anything, and now your access to that game is lost. But realistically, that's going to, if that server is down, it doesn't matter if the battery dies, eventually your device will try to talk to that server and it won't be there to talk to. And that's honestly the risk that you take with any digital purchase. Um, you don't know when they have, uh, you know, licensing servers out there and when they don't. Um, you know, a lot of like standard free stuff probably won't, you don't have to worry about it, but like things like Adobe, every Adobe product has licensing built in. If Adobe's servers go down, and I mean, you you have seen this in our oh, job. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, Adobe's licensing server goes down and you can't even open the application. Yep. They will just say, nope, you're beat. You, you got to wait until we fix this because they just think that you're not licensed anymore. Correct. Um, so that that can happen. Uh, what I think that you'll find is you'll find people who just because they can't access the uh, the software or the games doesn't mean that it doesn't exist anymore. So as soon as that happens, you will find people which, and they're probably doing this as it is, you'll find people who are taking, uh, you know, um, ROM dumps and memory dumps from their Switch to try and get that game off of it. And they'll try to break into it, make it DRM free. And what happened was, what was going to happen will be, it's no longer running on the Switch, but it's running on pretty much every other console. Now everybody can take those Switch games and run them on their PC at higher graphical fidelities, better mm. frame rates. Uh, you can throw them on your laptop, on your phone, anywhere. Taking off the, the um, taking away those servers so people can't play the game is just going to encourage them to find more ways to play it. So that doesn't work for everybody. Not everybody knows how to download an emulator and download the game. Well, yeah, and I, that would that would be my rebuttal to that is I think that there's probably a, a smaller percentage of players than we probably even think that are actually going to go to those links. And I think, um, you know, maybe maybe in in our circles or maybe more specifically your circle. Uh, you'll find people that'll do that. I, even I wouldn't go as far as to do that. Now, I've never been privy or victim of, hey, this game that you love, uh, we're shutting down because there's really not a lot of people playing it, so there's no sense in having servers up. And I'm like, oh, man, that sucks because I play this all the time. Like, I've never been in that situation. 
But at the same time, I don't think even with my technical prowess, I would say I'm going to find a way to play this game no matter what. I would have to say that sucks. I'm moving on. So, you know, as hardcore as a gamer as I tend to think I am, I still think that that number of folks that are going to go that extra mile to find a way to play that probably very, very few. Um, so, I, but I, I think it'll, it'll also get easier over time. And this isn't specific to the switch. I just think as technology changes, it will get easier right now. It is download an emulator, download the ROM, load the BIOS, connect your controller. Uh, eventually it will be download an emulator, download the ROM, load it up and you're good. Eventually, even further after that, it will be double click this file for whatever computer you have. And it's just going to load and open, you know, people will find a way to simplify it. And in the meantime, you'll always have friends who will show you how to do it. You know, every, everybody's got somebody who will show them like everyone has a computer that somebody else who knows more than them set up something ridiculous on. You'll find people who will, who will do it. And if I can, if I can teach people who have no computer experience at all, how to find and download torrents, I can teach them how to get an, an emulator up and running to play these games if they really want to. All right. I'm still going to argue. I think those numbers are a lot smaller. I think the average consumer is not going to go to those lengths, but we'll see if it does become that easy. I, I don't know. Listen, you guys offer and Mike does too, to like hack my mini consoles all the time. And I'm like, no, I'm good. Um, like I, it, it's not important to me, but I also want to maintain the original integrity. So like it, just because the options there doesn't mean I'll take it. I don't know, Kevin, like I, just to chime in a little bit, I know you're a big collector of physical stuff. Um, we both fall down the the into the wallet trap of like limited run games and oh, yeah. you know all that stuff so I'm, I'm curious like for you at least like do you shy away from digital purchases as solely as a collector or because of concerns for these games just vanishing at some point um i i worry about them vanishing so like and this we've talked about this like hades came out digitally first bought mm -hmm. it love that game came out physically friday bought it to have it just in case anything ever happens um i did the same thing with the ori games on switch i did the same thing with celeste i did the same thing with no more heroes on switch one and two they got limited run is they did a physical edition i ordered it so i i'm very big with um game preservation as far as like you know they should be there to play five, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. I, I do worry about digital only things disappearing. Cause like we've seen that happen with stuff before. Mm -hmm. So like Scott Pilgrim was a perfect example. Yeah. And thankfully um, that Scott came Tales back. was on Wii U or Wii, I forget was an example too. Like things just disappeared and you're like, well, I can't get it again. Um, and that sucks when that happens. So it does. But I also think that the time frame in which things kind of appear and then disappear is, is going to shorten a little bit too. Um, you know, I think with the PS3, even PS4 era, we really, and Xbox, we started to see this huge surge of, hey, this game that's only 10 years old, we're going to remaster it so we can resell it. And we might see a little bit more of that. I think that will slow down eventually. I think they're just going to make more of these games unavailable so that it forces people to push towards newer stuff. But that's just me. Um, Cool. Well, thank you for sharing your thoughts on that. And Joe, thank you for getting into the technical side of that. I thought that was interesting that there are some folks there. And I know a lot of that stuff may have been unconfirmed as far as the specificity of, but their servers are shutting down or those games, their stores are closing for good this July. So there's another PSA for you. PS3, Vita, and PSP owners that check in or 
still play those systems and i have ps3s in my bedroom so um get all your downloads in before july because then you won't be able to at all all right too um let me put out there too just because you own the physical copy of the game doesn't mean that it doesn't still connect to a server to mm-hmm. make sure valid uh so you could have a physical copy and all of the bits are there and everything's written and it still might not load it's less likely but yeah. it's might not load and there's also games that are uh um like a physical you have the physical copy of the game but it's just a download anyway you know like borderlands did that and i think resident evil did that as well so you buy the the physical cartridge but you still have to download part of the game so all these things can still happen it's just a, a you know an effect of the the modern technological era whether you own right. it digitally or physically it's just a matter of like if you own it digitally can you download it again but whether you can play it again it doesn't matter whether it's physical or digital that's true. So if they ever take Bioshock off the uh, the Nintendo store, I have the cart, which means I can watch the opening cinematic as much as I want, but I can't actually play the game because that's the only thing that's on the cart for some reason. That was hmm. a stupid purchase. Um, okay, so that being said, speaking of that game in particular, as I played for an hour and then never again, um, there was an article that came out on Nintendo Life, which I know Kevin's a big fan of. They did great, great videos, great articles over there. Their YouTube channel is excellent. Highly recommend if you're looking for some Nintendo-specific stuff. Um, they, they had an article that came out the other day titled, Why, Why It's Time to Normalize Giving Up on Games. And I, I thought this was interesting, especially for our demographic where our time is limited and um, you know we, we constantly fight our responsibilities versus our leisure time. And of course, our leisure time fights with itself for other activities. I mean, there's only so much time in the day for, you know, anything that you want to do um, versus the things you have to do. But even within that want, there might be like six things I want to do. And I have an hour before bed. So how do I spend that time? Um, and I, I just thought this was interesting. And the the author had admitted to like just kind of given up on Breath of the Wild, which I thought was a really bold example to lead with. Kevin just made the like biggest sour face in the history of mankind. Um, but anyway, <laughs> well, so I mean, here's here's why I thought this this article jumped out to me. Um, I, I I think there's a stigma in amongst video game players, connoisseurs, casualists, however you want to categorize them, that there's this sense of shame attached to not finishing a game and that um you know saying that you rolled credits or saying that you beat a game um is like a, is, is a sign of I, I don't know like you should be respected or like you're better than someone because you beat something and i don't know for me maybe that harkened back to like the playground days when you're talking about what you're playing with friends and you're like oh i beat that um you know like it like you kind of had to to keep up to some degree i don't know but like i feel that mentality is still pretty persistent in the gaming community even now uh especially since um some video game reviewers uh there was a, a small surge on twitter of viewers that were speaking out saying hey yeah i reviewed these games i never finished them um and that kind of got people all up in a you know in an uproar because they're getting their opinion from someone who hasn't actually fully completed a game which I personally think is nonsense. And I'll admit to the games that I review 
I, I may not get to the end of all of them, but listen, if, as someone who, and I'm not saying I'm a professional writer, I'm a teacher, I'm not a journalist, all right, but I can write and I do games. So when I write about gaming, I take it seriously. If I built enough to form an opinion and a solid one at that, that I feel is valid, hell yeah. I, and I need to hang it up. I'm going to to write that review and get my thoughts out there um, for people to, I don't know, make informed decisions or be entertained or whatnot. But I, you know, I don't need to play a hundred hours of a hundred hour game to give my feedback on that. And so I just, I wanted to start this conversation kind of casually with you guys. Um, And Joe, I'm kind of interested here. Like if we take a step back and allow ourselves to fall into that trap of maybe even games personally that you're like, kind of maybe ashamed that you never got around to finishing. Um, I'm curious what they are. Like I went to film school and I, I, I can floor people with the amount of classic films that I have never seen or have any interest in seeing, you know, as a film major, like I'm not going to say it now, but there are some key ones that you would go, there's no way. Um, so Joe, like what, what are some games on your list that maybe you kind of like sheepishly admit to never getting through? Uh, so I, I, probably haven't mentioned it on like this podcast but i've mentioned it uh in person with you guys that final fantasy tactics is one of my favorite games and i have not finished it without cheating i used okay. a breaker on ps1 and blew through like the last third of the game because at some point it just gets so difficult and i'm not great at chess so if you add magic to chess it just gets so difficult uh so i was really bad at it but i really liked the game and wanted to get through it so i went through it um so final final fantasy tactics is one of them um i had another on the list that oh uh majora's mask i never finished majora's mask um, okay and i'll even i'll admit i i finished majora's mask as a kid but i i used a guide the entire way like the old prima you know like 25 dollars strategy guides and i went page by page because there that game was confusingly challenging as a kid yeah it's a lot of the old Zelda games and a lot of old games in general, I guess, but um, a lot of the old Zelda games are, they're difficult to follow. Um, and, you know, they were, I was younger when they came out. So it took me a long time to, to get through a lot of them. And I, I will admit that I played Majora's Mask much more recently uh, than, you know, me being a kid and still didn't get through it. But I just, I hit a point where I got really lost and I put it down and played a different game. And then I came back to it months later and went, I don't know where I am but I am not starting from the top on this one. So yeah, just, and, I, and that happens all the time. And the article did point that out too, where, you know, like you walk away for a while and try to come back and you're like, I don't know what I was doing. I don't know how, listen, and Mike and I talk all the time about how like, sometimes there's only so many games we can manage at once, not even because of time, but because the uh, muscle memory of what to do and certain actions with like the button combos, I'm just like, I, I don't want to have to relearn how to play this game um all over again so like and and the article pointed out that it's when you're a kid you know you might not have listen we have exposable income i can buy and i i do buy games way more often than i should so when you're a kid you parents go here's a game and you, you go great thanks and you play it endlessly because it's the only option for something to play you know it's not like you can swap out 20 different games if you were that lucky then god bless you i certainly wasn't so when we got a game it was I, it doesn't matter if this game is atrocious it's new and i'm going to figure it out and i'm going to maybe get to the end because i have nothing else to play until then so let's keep going um kevin what about you are there any games and I, I i'm going to call it your shameless but i, I want to yeah. avoid this stigma i figured if we talked about it first maybe that'll help there was i can't 
I, there is a few games I know I did play and then I put them on hold and then never went back to them. I can't remember what they were, but there was never anything big. The only thing that really stands out is when Breath of the Wild came out, I was all in on that game. And then I hit a point where my, my um, job responsibilities got really ramped up and I kind of like Breath of the Wild got put on hold and it was a year and a half to two years right it was a long time maybe it's just a year but it was like so long before i actually went back and i sat and i was like all right i'm finishing this like i got so far into the game and i was to the point where i pretty much had to conclude the main quest and do a couple other things and i just i put it off for so long and i like i hated that i did that mm. um, but i did eventually finish it and like 100 percent to well to me like 100 percent of the story and you know other things but um you know, I did that and I, I still want to play, but that's like the only thing that stands out. Usually when I start a game, I really want to play. I, I will finish it. Well, so um, then let me, let me follow that up with another question to you, Kevin, and then we'll go to Joe. What compels you to want to finish a game? Because if, if I give you a list of games, not that I say, oh, I feel bad I haven't finished, but I think a lot of my, my mentality around stuff that I don't finish isn't that I necessarily don't like it. It's that I might not be compelled to finish it or um, I, I feel like I got my fill, you know, like I, I played 10 hours of a game and I, I got a taste of it. And mm -hmm. if I don't finish it, I'm okay with that. And then if I'm bored and I want to revisit it, I guess I can. But, um, you know, most recently I was playing Days Gone on the PS5 and I, I put about eight hours in and that's, that's a decent chunk of time. I mean, that's a couple hour sessions. And I, I got to a point even that early on where I was like, all right, I, I get what this game is about and I'm done. And I, I was very okay with that. And I, I think we don't, we succumb to being kind of ridiculed or maybe just, you know, uh, peer pressured into feeling that we need to complete these things. So, um, so where, what are you asking me? <laughs> I forget. I, it was like, let me get back to the question for Kevin. Um, oh, that, that was it. What compels you to finish oh, a game? Oh, yeah, to finish. I like, I, Usually when I buy a game, I know I'm going to enjoy it. So I just, I finish it. Um, usually like, like S Smash Brothers, the, um, what is it? The challenge board or whatever. Like I, I unlock every challenge because to me, I, I guess it's like, I set my own personal challenges when I play a game. Like, okay, I want to do A, B, and C and do this and complete everything. Cause I, I do have um, like a slight completionist mentality, but um, I sure do. I, I do. Bless you. Um, but like certain games like Zelda, Metroid, Smash Brothers, like I have to unlock and complete everything. It's just a thing. Um, so I don't know, but I don't I don't look at it as like a chore or anything. It's like I enjoy doing it. So because then I feel like for me, I'm fully experiencing the game. Um, so I guess, I guess that's what compels me is just. All right, Joe, uh, what about you? Like what 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 needs to press all the right buttons for you to say okay i know this might be a long journey but i'm gonna i'm gonna get to the end of it uh it, it's when it feels worth my time honestly um you know there there are games where i play it and i pick it up and i go okay i want to play this i want to come back to this um when i put down the controller i want to put it back i want to pick it back up or i'm at work and i'm thinking about that game and playing it while i'm home just like when i was in school and i was in school and went, all I want to do is go home and play Pokemon or play Zelda or play whatever. It's that same feeling, just, you know, now I'm working. Uh, so that, that's what it is. It's worth my time and worth the money that I spent on it. Uh, you know, I, I had the realization, like you were saying a couple minutes ago, where uh, there, 
there are games where I'm okay with the amount of time that I spent on it and I don't feel compelled to play anymore. And that's actually okay. There are games where you don't make it to the end, but you hit a point where you went, okay, I was having fun. I had $60 worth of fun, but I hit the point and I'm not having $60 worth of fun anymore. You know, sometimes it's a chore, sometimes it's a slog. Uh, you know, I, I loved Breath of the Wild. We've talked about that on the podcast. Love that game. There's been a decade. couple times where I've played the game and I've gone back in and thought, can, can a random quest that I didn't complete just appear? But no, it says I did all of them and there's nothing left to do in the game. And I'm just looking for something else to do because I liked the atmosphere and I like being in the game. But I could go back and collect all the Korok seeds. I was going to say, Joe, you have not gotten all the Korok. <laughs> but that's the problem. That's when it gets to be a chore. I like it's fun to, to stumble across them. It's fun to find them. It's mm. fun to spend... 30 minutes like hunting them down but when you feel like you've run across the entire hebra area and they're just bats just nipping you in the back of the head and trying to kill you and your stupid mask has not started shaking at all and you haven't found a core in two hours you just don't want to do it anymore it's just a chore it's not fun it's something i have to go home and do like the dishes and taking out the trash like I'm, i don't want to force myself to have fun i i just want to sit down and want to enjoy the game so I, I no longer really have a problem uh, sitting down and going, well, I got my $60 worth of fun out of it. I put 40 hours into this game and I justified owning it and playing it. I feel good about this. Um, and, and there are games where I, like, I'll, I'll never force myself to get to the end of a game anymore. Uh, but there, there are games where I've sat, sat down and gone, I wish I didn't spend the money on this. I don't want to play it anymore. But now I'm more comfortable going... I'm not going to force myself. I, I have a limited amount of time that I can play. I'm just going to give up and move on to something else. So you don't have like buyer's remorse that kind of forces you to say, well, I, I paid $60 for this. You brought up money and I was trying to avoid throwing that into the mix because I think once you go, you equate your entertainment value and the product to what you paid for it, then it becomes a very dangerous game of like, I would rather pay $60 for an excellent, you know, seven hour game versus um, $10 for a pretty good 30 hour game. You know what I mean? Like, I think when you get, when you look at it from that, like you said, time and money were two things. And I think you're completely valid in looking at it like that. Um, especially when you had mentioned uh, that the game itself respects your time as well, as we all know, games are privy to bloat for the sake of, elongating their storylines or just giving players more to do but is it really any of any value um so you hit a lot of things there that i thought were really interesting and i'm hoping that in the upper echelon of our level 30ness we we have kind of made peace with the fact that we might not finish anything but or everything but here's here's where some of those here's some popular statistics for you just to give you an idea um of some of the more popular games and their completion rate. Now, this is this was accrued uh, collecting, I guess, you know, the trophy data from um, specifically yeah. PlayStation games. I'm uh, sorry for Xbox. I don't, I don't. Their achievements. This wasn't tracked, but um, this was pulled from the achievements in certain games that you get for actually completing the main story. And because um, there was an article the other day that came out that said. Uh, 
50.2, so just a hair over 50% of players that played Ghost of uh, Tsushima had actually completed the story. Um, some other popular games uh, that are a little bit more linearly uh, story-driven, but not open-world, I guess is what I'm trying to say. 58% um, of players completed The Last of Us Part Two. Um, 53.3% of players finished Final Fantasy VII Remake, and 51.8% of players finished God of War. And so basically half, like if we, even if we just we'll can round down, we'll say half, half of the people that bought that game played it to the end, um, which apparently uh, it, it is a statistic that is an anomaly. Most people that play these games don't actually finish to the, uh, finish them and open world games far fare a lot worse. They say on average about 30 to 40% of players actually complete the story in an open world game. So when Ghost of Tsushima came out, at 50%, there was a lot to do about how well that story was received and how it compelled players to actually finish that game. Because I do think that game is excellent. I do think the story is fantastic, but I also think it's a game that is very respectful of your time. Um, much like Joe said, you know, there's not a lot of bloat there, but it does. It values you as a player, and I, I think that's apparent there in that completion rate. To, to compare that to the next closest game... Um, and this was diminishing returns in order of release. So the last three Assassin's Creed games, and if we go back chronologically, um, it was Origins, Odyssey, and then most recently Valhalla. 38% um, of people completed Origins, 30% completed Odyssey, while just under 20% completed Valhalla. So imagine if you slave away in a game and one in five people actually complete it. That says a lot about, I don't know, I don't want to say the quality of your game, but how how quick we are to either give up on something or or step away from it when it ceases to be entertaining fun worth our time or worth our money and i think they're within that series you can argue that there's some you know it can use an overhaul and some streamlining i think um the witcher 3 which i've tried to play on four separate occasions uh under under 30 percent red dead 2 Red Dead Redemption 2, which sold like a trillion copies, 28.2%. Um, and so, you know, these numbers tell of a uh, medium that a majority of players, like 70% uh, of people that played Red Dead Redemption 2 never finished the story. And yet the community of people that rally around these games and wear that that 100% completion or that I beat it rolled credits, you know, on their sleeve as a badge of honor. Um, there's some disconnect here with how we treat one another in this gaming sphere. And so, you know, my hope, and I'm sure you guys can probably agree, being where we are uh, as adults, you know, we're not on the playground anymore. We can respect others that don't, uh, you know, finish these games. But, you know, I think it's good for those of us and Kevin and, well, listen, all of us really, right? We know our backlogs are insane. I have a whole shelf of games that is dedicated to stuff that I haven't even opened yet and realistically probably won't. And I'm okay with that, um, you know? So, like, I, I, I don't know. I think I think we're in a good spot. I think we just got to acknowledge that um, we like what we like and it's okay to walk away from that. So thank you for indulging me, both of you, in that conversation. I just thought that was an interesting article because it kind of spoke more to the culture than any like one particular game series or franchise. And so, you know, I'm sure those listening at home, you probably have a game yourself that maybe you kind of feel bad about for not finishing, despite like it, it might be critically acclaimed, your friends might be nagging you. Um, be okay with just saying, yeah, I, I got my fill, I'm good. Um, but on that note, 
And, I, and I'm very curious here because this was kind of the side topic of conversation that I thought of when I was planning this out. Um, I'm curious though, in that same kind of vein of, oh man, I really wish I finished that game. How about this? Let's 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 look at this question. And we're gonna put this in our um, our YouTube chat as a uh, as a question that I hope you folks can answer. So I'm curious, very curious to hear what you have to say in, in the comment section. So put it down below, but I'll ask this question to Joe and Kevin now. Has there been, or is there currently a um, video game franchise that you wish be, you know, like beyond almost anything else that you can fall in love with the same way that fans of that series have been loving for a long time. Um, and so just to give you a, a quick example, I guess my example would be, um, I've tried on numerous occasions to play Assassin's Creed. Uh, I bought the last three versions of the game. I haven't opened them. Um, Monster Hunter Rise is coming out very soon, and I'm so intrigued by that game, and I've played others in the franchise. I haven't gotten it the click, and I wish that it would. People talk about it so lovingly that I really want to be a part of that community, and it just doesn't, like, I don't jive with it, you know? Um, I kind of, I put Final Fantasy on that list as well. I played through the remake, and I loved it. I played a lot of 15, and I enjoyed that as well. But I, I kind of want to go back to the classics, and I, I, I never seem to get into them in a meaningful way. So, um, Joe, I'm curious, like, what, what franchises are out there that you know, like, you should love, but for some reason don't, you wish you can get into? I, uh, I saw the question, and I went through, like, my, my Steam backlog, and I looked at the same thing. I was looking at the spines going, like, oh, man, what do I want to like here? Yeah, so I was trying to find games, and there are some that, like, I know I could like, and I, I don't like Call of Duty. Just it's it's an okay game. It's good enough. It just doesn't do it for me. I I'm not gonna say I'm a Battlefield guy. I'm an older Battlefield guy. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, there's there's Call of Duty. That said, uh, there are games like um, like you said, Final Fantasy is very very good. I like the games. I really love the aesthetic of of some of the better Final Fantasy games. Um, I, I like like the Brave and the Zodiac kind of styles of things. Um, but they're just they can be a slog. They're like 120 hour games um there there's also there there's the breakup when you start like a, and this is with all jrpgs it's not specific to final fantasy but when you start a battle there's that whole scene change going into the battle and then there's yeah. uh there's the victory stuff and they tell you what items you got and how much uh, money you won and then there's you you leave that and just there's too much stop and go in the game. So I like the aesthetic and I like the games themselves. And I know the newer ones take that out. And I think they have more of like an active, uh, bat, like in-world battle system, but I have not played them. So, but previous to those, you know, I, I wish I could could get into Final Fantasy. Um, the, the Far Cry games are games that like you either, it seems to be for the most part, you either love or you hate. And I played one of them and the game is beautiful. It's gorgeous. You can do a lot of cool things. There's random animals running around. And I played for like three or four hours and then just never felt compelled to go back. And I wish I did. And I just, I, I go to play it. And I'm like, eh, I'll, I'll play something else that I want to play now. Um, All right. and you, uh, if, oh, sorry. Go ahead. For my last game is, is Bioshock. Another game that I just really like the aesthetic, heard very few bad things about. Uh, oh, it's like critically acclaimed. Yeah. And every time I start it, I get five minutes in and I go, I don't, and I, I don't, I don't want to be here anymore. And I play something else. It's just something about the game that I'm sure if I could force myself to put three or four hours into it, it would click with me. But it doesn't click right away, and I end up losing it.
Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and I, I can kind of agree with that in Bioshock. I, I put a few hours in and maybe I'll chip away at it. But again, if I don't, I'm okay with that. I want to, given its critical acclaim and how great the story is. And seeing as how it was never spoiled for me, I'm kind of, I feel like I should finish it out of respect for the spoilers that I've avoided. Um, and I feel you on the JRPG side of things as well. And let me introduce you to a little game called Persona 5 Strikers, which uh, I just completed over the weekend. Um, I love Persona. It took me 117 hours to beat the fifth one. And I get, saw that through to the end. I was so happy I did it. Persona 5 Strikers has more active combat. Joe, and this is a small little tangent before we get to Kevin. Sorry, I, just, I feel like I got to get this out of there. Um, I sat down to play one night. I started a cutscene that didn't end for 90 minutes. So I literally, for, for an hour and 45 minutes, my total playtime of actual like moving around and fighting like was about 15 minutes. And I wasn't annoyed by that, but when you like on paper, you go, why the hell would I, I characters and story are compelling, but like, and I know that's an anomaly. It's still, it was, it was tough, even though it was more action oriented. So it's not always the combat system. That is a game where you're like, ah, I've got a half an hour. I can't play persona. Um, so Kevin, I'm curious, are there any like big franchises that you're like, I really wish I loved this. I, I've been like, thinking about this question earlier today and now i can't think of anything off the top of my head because there's there's nothing off uh, yeah like what about, how about a style of game that you just you 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 wish you liked as much as other people because sometimes oh. it's it's genre specific like you know I, I love jrpgs even though they're very similar to one another but some people go eh, i just i can't get into them so i'm just curious how about genre Maybe like i guess like first person shooters i they, they don't like I enjoyed some of like I played Call of Duty like crazy back in the day, like in college and stuff, but like they don't appeal to me that much anymore. And I guess it's because they're they're all very and I could be um naive in saying this and not informed of the nuance, but like I to me I perceive them as all being very similar. Okay. So I'm like that's why like when Joe talked about Borderlands so much when it got ported to Switch, I was like, Oh, let me buy this because I like the art style and like I always wanted to play and I like enjoyed it, but I got stuck on a point and I never I haven't continued. But Joe, I should probably pick your brain about thinking. <laughs> or you could just squat up with Joe and he can guide you guide you through it. I was going to say the same thing about Far Cry. Joe, if you have Far Cry, I, Far Cry 5, I loved and I, I loved it more because I played the whole campaign with my brother. We had a blast. So if you're ever like, I feel like shooting shit up and uh, like, I don't know, you can, you, you can have a companion that's a bear. You can literally say, all right, bear, go attack this settlement. And you can just watch back, sit back and like, I don't know, throw Molotovs and so it's, it's, it's like chaos, but it's a lot of fun. Um, all right, well, let us know. I'm curious if there are any big game franchises where you're like, I really wished I loved that. Um, like even with Nintendo, Xenoblade, I got, man, I, like I want to want to like it more than I do, but can't seem to get through it. Um, all right, I can ramble on about those games for me forever. Um, let, let's let's put a bow on this episode. Uh, I want to oh. thank Joe and Kevin for, uh, for being here today. Kevin, do you have something to chime in with? I was just curious. You, you wanted the... No, oh, I said a bow. I was gonna a like bow. make a wrapping. <laughs> yeah, no, we're gonna we're gonna call it. I think we got enough good stuff out there in the video game uh, aura. That's not the right word. Now, see, now I'm losing my steam. You threw me off, Kevin. Anyway, Kevin Excellent. and Joe, thank thank you for for putting aside some time to do this recording today. I hope folks at home have enjoyed. Um, make sure you check out 
the video version if you're a podcast listener. Um, and if you do download these episodes to listen on the go, we appreciate that as well. I have fun tracking all those stats. It'll be up on YouTube. But you get the audio version a day early. So audio version will be up soon, video version shortly thereafter. Keep checking out for some of our other Level 30 offerings. News Minute will be out next week. Man, there needs to be a Switch game for a review soon because I'm itching. Um, so mm -hmm. I might throw some third-party stuff in there that I've been enjoying. Um, Atelier Ryza, Iconoclast. There's a lot of indie games I've been jumping in and out of. A lot of stuff there. But we'll wrap this up. Thank you so much for taking the time today, everyone, to watch, to listen, to comment, to be part of our Level 30 community. Get the word out about our stuff. We'd love to grow. All right, we're coming up on our one, oh my God, three-year anniversary. I should have put that at the top of the show. Almost three years since our first publication on YouTube. So hopefully we'll celebrate. Hopefully we'll cross that 1K subscriber soon and uh, we can celebrate twice as hard. Again, thank you, Kevin and Joe. For everyone else out there, thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. Have a wonderful day, wonderful life. Adios. Bye, everyone. Bye.